It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Canada and hockey fans in the United States and Newfoundland. It's behind the Maple Leaf net, Detroit crowding them. Back to Paul at the blue line, he fakes a shot, rolls one in front, and Kennedy intercepted and shoots it away. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Pucks and Cups. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have several other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, From John to Justin, Canada's Great War, and Coast to Coast. Available on all podcast platforms. I do all those podcasts full time. The writing, the research, everything. So every dollar you give helps keep it all going. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Bairdo37. You can also find weekly YouTube videos on my channel, youtube.com slash C slash Canadian History X. And if you want to find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as transcripts of every episode, just go to CanadaEHX.com. They aren't the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. But there is one team that has seen immense success in hockey and established itself as a legendary part of Canadian hockey lore. Without a doubt, the Trail Smoke Eaters can be considered a dynasty team on the level of the Montreal Canadiens when it comes to amateur hockey. There's currently a junior team by the same name, but I'm focusing on the senior Smoke Eaters, especially their early years and their championships in 1939 and 1961. The Trail Smoke Eaters as a team have been around for almost a century, Hockey has been around in trail for some time as well, with the team competing locally with other nearby communities. The early trail team won the first Daily News Cup in 1914 and would go on to win 11 more by 1925. The trail club was one of the best in the province, and when the McBride Cup was donated by Premier Richard McBride in 1913, it did not take long for the hockey team to start winning the trophy. In 1914, the team took the cup after winning 13 out of 15 games. Trail won again in 1915. Trail was becoming hockey mad for its team and that led to the Fruit Fair building, which became only the fourth arena in British Columbia to have artificial ice and the first between Winnipeg and Vancouver. In 1926-27, after dominating provincial hockey for years, the people behind the Trail Hockey Club wanted to go bigger and that meant going for the Allen Cup, the top amateur trophy in Canada and something I covered on the podcast just a few weeks ago. 
The team got off to a good start when the team won the 1926-27 Savage Cup, the top hockey trophy in British Columbia. The Savage Cup win was the first of seven in a row and the first of 19 for the Trail Smoke Eaters. So what about that name? Well, let's dive into that. Legend has it that in the 1928 Savage Cup Finals, a penalty was called on Howard Anderson, a trail player after he tripped a player from Vancouver. Fans were not happy and they began throwing debris on the ice. One item that was thrown was a corncob pipe, and it was picked up by another trail player named Carol Kendall. He promptly started puffing away on it, and a cartoon appeared in Trail's paper the following day, and the sports writer called them the Smoke Eaters. Now that being said, references to the Trail Smoke Eaters go back to as far as April 1901 in the community. The Trail Creek News reported back then, quote, After the last baseball game, a challenge was issued by the Trail Smelter Smoke Eater baseball team to play the War Eagle and Center Star baseball team, end quote. Another mention would come a few years later showing that the name likely comes from the workers from the smelter who played on the teams. By 1921, the name Smoke Eaters was starting to appear in relation to the senior hockey team. No matter where the name comes from, it's one of the most unique team names in hockey. The community of Trail, with a population of 7,000 people, went hockey mad and the arena routinely filled with 3,000 people for each game. Now back to the team now. As I mentioned, the Trail Smoke Eaters would capture seven straight Savage Cups from 1926-27 to 1932-33. And while Trail was proving itself to be the best team in the province, the players and fans wanted them to be the best in Canada and maybe the world. One player on the team who would reshape hockey in Europe was Mike Buckna, who played for the Smoke Eaters from 1932 to 1934. He was a fantastic athlete who could skate as a toddler and was gifted as a baseball player as well. In 1934-35, during a visit to his ancestral homeland of Czechoslovakia, he watched the Prague Lawn Tennis Hockey Club play and asked the coach if he could take part in the workout the next day. Easily the most talented person on the ice, he was offered a coaching position immediately. In November of 1935, he moved to Prague to begin to coach the club, spending the next three years there greatly increasing the notice of hockey in the country. Returning home in 1939 as the Second World War dawned, he would come back to Czechoslovakia after the war and led the national team to a world championship in 1947, its first ever. Buckna would come back to trail in 1949 to play and coach for the Smoke Eaters. In 1978, he went back to Czechoslovakia on the invitation of the government. There, he was officially honored as the father of Czech hockey. As for the Smoke Eaters, another Savage Cup win would come in 1937-38, and it was that year that the team would finally take things to the next level. In 1938, the senior team finally completed its decade-long quest to win the Allen Cup. The road to the Cup began when the team won the Savage Cup. At that point, they were on to play Calgary at the Interprovincial Playoff, winning 5-0 and 7-0, then playing Flint Flon for the Western Canada semifinal and outscoring them 13-4 in the best-of-seven series. In the Western Canada final against Port Arthur, the Smoke Eaters continued to dominate, winning 5-3, 8-1, and 7-3. It was now time for the team to play the Cornwall Flyers for the Allen Cup. A total of 700 people from Trail made the journey to Calgary to watch the series, and the Smoke Eaters would win the first game 8-2, but lost the second game 2-1. In the third game, Trail won the Allen Cup with a 3-1 victory. Upon the team's return to Trail, 7,000 people packed into the downtown area, on building rooftops and more, to welcome the players back home. With that Allen Cup win, the team was ready to compete in the Ice Hockey World Championship in 1939. Embarking for Europe, they left on December 10, 1938 to begin a 55-game European tour. 
In those 55 games, the Smoke Eaters would win 53 of the games, losing one and tying one. The West Kootenai Hockey Review would write, quote, The progress of the Smoke Eaters' European tour was recorded in a continuous flow of highly enthusiastic reports to Canada. Continental sporting pages were packed in pains of praise for the mountain magicians from Trail, end quote. Through their games, the team did not wear the traditional Maple Leaf uniform. A Swiss newspaper would write, quote, Something new in badges is displayed on the jerseys of the Smoke Eaters. The crest is inspired by the fact that Trail is a very busy industrial town and lead smelting is a big job there. These Smoke Eaters clad in dramatic orange and black have done their hometown in Canada proud. End quote. Ab Crony would say, quote, The boat ride from Halifax to Scotland took seven days and we spent a lot of the time repairing our uniforms. We were really disappointed that nobody offered to provide us with Canada sweaters. We had to sew and patch up our black and orange smoke eater sweaters, and we had one set. Can you imagine that? End quote. Throughout the tour, the smoke eaters sold out arenas, but each player was only paid $2 per game. Over the course of 71 games, that amounted to $142 or $2,625 today. The team would complain to Bunny Ahern, who was the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation. In response, Ahern asked them if they knew where their boat tickets were. They said their manager had them, and Ahern responded with, quote, No, I have them, and do you know another way to get back home to Canada? End quote. Crony would say, quote, The guy was bad, a real jerk. His organization was making thousands of dollars off the trail smoke eaters, but he was throwing us peanuts. Eventually we got a little more out of him, but not nearly what we should have got. End quote. The 10-day championship started on February 3, 1939, and the team steamrolled through the competition. They would win the championship and become the pride of the country as a result. Over the course of the eight-game finals they played, the team scored 42 goals against their opponents, while giving up only one goal. That goal was actually against Czechoslovakia, now coached by Mike Buckner, and it was accidentally scored by trail defenseman Tom Johnston, who put it in his own net. Anatoly Tarasov, who would become a great Russian coach, commented in his later years that the Trail Smoke Eaters of 1939 were one of the greatest teams he had ever seen, and he used their same techniques when coaching in Russia. While the team was happy to have won the championship, most felt that winning the Allen Cup was the bigger thrill because they had to beat very good teams to claim the title. For the entire experience, the players mostly enjoyed it apart from the low pay. Jimmy Haight would say, quote, we rode buses and trains and at one point played 17 nights in a row, all in different places. Most of the rinks were pretty bad, but for me the real enjoyment was seeing the different people and places. Playing hockey was just something we did while we were there. Again, that's where the closeness of the team really came from. Most of us had never been too far away from home for any length of time, so we really got to know each other. End quote. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Including the championship games in Europe, the Smoke Eaters would play 70. 70-
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply won games. During that time, they would score 374 goals and be scored on 177 times. They would average 5.5 goals for and only 1.1 goals against. The team would score 10 goals or more in a game six times, including 14 goals on January 27, 1939 against Antwerp. After the championship run, several of the smoke eaters on that team would go on to have success elsewhere in the hockey world. Duke Scodelero would play goal for the Royal Canadian Air Force All-Stars for three years during the Second World War, while Ab Crony would play for the Smoke Eaters until 1952, becoming the longest-serving Smoke Eater in history at 18 years. Joe Benoit would go on to play for the Montreal Canadiens, winning a Stanley Cup with the team. Bunny Dane would also play for the Canadiens. Johnny McCready arguably had the most successful career, going on to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and winning two Stanley Cups with the team. After capturing the top trophy in Canada and then the world, the Smoke Eaters went back to dominated provincial hockey. The team would win the Savage Cup again in 1940, 1941, 1946, 1948, 1952, and 1960. During those years between championships, several other players would make their way to the team. One was a man by the name of Larry Kwong. In 1945-46, Kwong would play 19 games for the Smoke Eaters, registering 20 points. Two years later, in 1947-48, he would suit up for the New York Rangers, breaking the color barrier of the NHL, becoming the first non-white player in NHL history. He accomplished this a decade before Willie O'Ree became the first black player in NHL history. In 1949, Kaminko Arena was constructed and would be one of the best arenas in all of British Columbia. This 2,537-seat arena was built in 1949 thanks to community donations and money from the Consolidated Mining and Smelting Company of Canada. The facility, which featured wooden benches at the time, was built completely by tradesmen who volunteered their time. The arena also holds a special place for me, as it was where I not only got to touch the Stanley Cup, but it was also where I interviewed Walter Gretzky. The arena cost $600,000 at the time and opened on December 1, 1949. Due to its wooden benches, it could seat 4,500 people. And at the time, it was an arena that came close to rivaling some of the NHL arenas. The opening of it was no small affair with a packed house enjoying music from the Legion and Maple Leaf bands, several dignitaries, and even lifetime seats awarded to a lucky few. A 1949 sedan was even given away to one of the attendees who had the lucky ticket. On January 27, 1960, the Smoke Eaters would host the Moscow Selects at Kaminko Arena. It was the first Soviet team to tour Canada, and they played throughout Canada, dominating games and winning eight in a row at one point. Then they met the Smoke Eaters. On the day of the game, Kaminko was filled with 5,750 people, including people standing six deep on the upper walkway of the rink. Norman Lardardin would say, quote, It is something I'll never, ever forget, and I guess the fire marshal won't either. To skate onto the ice that night and see that many people in my hometown rink was unbelievable. End quote. Many of the players had just come off their shift at the smelter and walked to the arena to get ready to play. The Smoke Eaters would win 7-6, giving the Soviets their only defeat in the month-long tour of Canada. Coach Bobby Crom would say, quote, Our whole club played like they wanted to win, and that's exactly why we beat them. The spirit was tremendous, and I think the fans saw that out there tonight. 
The Russians have a great club, and it was a very even game that could have gone either way. End quote. In 1961, the Smoke Eaters were then called upon to represent Canada at the Ice Hockey World Championships, once again winning a gold medal for Canada. They would embark on the 51-day tour of Europe, but it came at no small cost as $20,000 had to be raised since the players needed to ensure their families still had money coming in while they were gone. On January 26, 1961, the team boarded a bus to head to Castlegar Airport, and they would reach Ireland four days later. This time, the team would win most of its games, but not all, as the world of hockey was changing. The team would lose 4-0 to Sweden at one point, but after that the team buckled down and got to work winning. In Moscow, as only the third Canadian team to ever play there, the Smoke Eaters tied the wings of the Soviet team 3-3. In the next game, the Moscow team won 3-0, but the Smoke Eaters won the third game 4-1 and received a standing ovation from the crowd. Over the course of the World Championship Tournament, they would finish first among the eight teams with six wins and only one tie. In the first four games of the tournament, the team outscored its opponents 27-8, but other teams like East Germany and Czechoslovakia were much harder to beat. Overall, the team would score 45 goals to the 11 scored against them. In the championship game, the team took on the Soviets in front of 17,000 people, including 1,000 Canadian servicemen from bases in Germany, and they would take the game 4-0 to claim their second world championship. Seth Martin, the Smoke Eaters goalie, would be chosen as the best goaltender of the tournament. James Cameron, former president of the Smoke Eaters, would say of Martin, quote, In some ways, Seth's role throughout the season was similar to what Grant Fuhr and Andy Moog had to do 25 years later with the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. Some nights the team would get so carried away with scoring goals that the guys weren't always in a hurry to come back and help out on defense. It drove Bobby nuts, but Seth was always there. End quote. Martin would save the Smoke Eaters team, quote, I think what really made that team unique was that it was so localized. There were 10 guys who were either born or raised in the trail area, or who moved here at a young age and played all of the minor hockey there. End quote. Crom would save the 1961 Smoke Eaters, quote, The 1961 Smoke Eaters might not have been the most talented team in the world, but, as I've always maintained, there was no team in better condition. End quote. The senior Smoke Eaters had another bit of glory that following year when they won their second Allen Cup by defeating the Montreal Olympics four games to one. Between 1959 and 1962, the Smoke Eaters played 190 games against the best teams in Canada and Europe. During that time, they won 145 times. They also won 11 of the 12 trophies they challenged for during that span. Several of the players would go on to their own bit of glory in the hockey world as well. Martin would go on to play for the St. Louis Blues, helping them reach the Stanley Cup Final in 1968 as a backup to Glenn Hall. Personally, I would call Martin the greatest smoke eater in the history of the team. He would win the top goaltender award in the league nine times, double any other goalie in its history. Martin would represent Canada at the World Championships not only in 1961, but 1963, 1964, and 1965. In the 1964 Olympics, he finished with a 4-1-0 record and a 1.21 goals against average. Murray Gregg, author of Trail on Ice, a book that was fantastic for my research in this episode, would say of Martin, quote, Martin's heroics are recalled with particular reverence by the European fans who watched him. For years afterwards, the Soviets regarded him as something of a goaltending wizard. Coach Father Bauer recalled that the Europeans thought he was invincible. His very presence was enough to psych out the opposition, end quote. Martin would also receive many offers to play in the NHL, but he had to choose between professional hockey or keeping his firefighter pension, and in the days before huge salaries for players, he chose the pension. In 1997, Martin was an inaugural inductee into the International Ice Hockey Federation Hall of Fame. 
He was one of only two Canadian Charter members along with Harry Sinden. At the ceremony, Vladislav Trekiak, considered one of the greatest goalies in hockey history, came up to Martin and gave him a hug. Martin would say of the incident, quote, I was just kind of standing there minding my own business when Trekiak came up and threw a big bear hug around me. He was very happy, very gracious. He kept saying, Martin, you are my idol, end quote. In 1988, he was inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Daryl Sly would go on to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Minnesota North Stars, and Vancouver Canucks. Player coach Bobby Crom would go on to coach in the NHL, winning the Jack Adams Trophy in 1978 while coaching the Detroit Red Wings. He would also coach the Winnipeg Jets to the WHA Championship in 1976. The entire 1960-61 Trail Smokeyears would also be inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame in 1976. With the creation of the men's national hockey team in 1963, the Trail Smoke Eaters had the distinction of being the last independent hockey club to represent Canada at the international stage. Canada wouldn't win another world championship until 1994, when NHL players, currently on strike, played on the national team. The Smoke Eaters would win their last Savage Cups in 1979 and 1983. The team would win their last Savage Cups in 1979 and 1983. Another iteration of the Smoke Eaters would win the Savage Cup in the 2000s. In all, they won the Savage Cup a total of 19 times. This was more than any other team by far. And the team officially folded on January 29th, 1987. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the Trail Smoke Eaters. Next week, we're looking at Psydenity. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobs, Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from NHL.com, Blowing Smoke, Trail on Ice, Wikipedia, Canadian Encyclopedia, and the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.